I have chosen to live my life in a perpetual state of readiness, expecting the Lord's return. And I didn't always do that. I didn't always know I could do that. But that's what I've, I've endeavored to do, and I do that. Um, I believe each of us here today should also live our lives uh, in a manner that is expecting the Lord's return. So also, all of us should live so that at any moment, were Jesus to come or at any moment you were to go to him, you would be totally ready for that. Um, today's message will address for all of us our attitude toward the Lord while he is away. And that's what I'm going to be dealing with you today, with, uh, or sharing rather with you today, on the kingdom of heaven. And I'm talking about the parables. And so all of us should uh, conduct our lives uh, in a state of readiness, conduct our lives in expectancy. Because when that moment happens, you won't have time to get right. You won't have time to, to, say, to ask for forgiveness. Uh, I told a story earlier in the first service about an old friend of mine who was in the oil business. He was a driller, and he was quite ungodly. I would witness to him a lot, and he'd say, ah, I'm going to wait till the last minute before I say anything. You know, and so, so one day we, we were talking. He was telling me about an accident he had, he had and where something hit him, and it, it was so de uh, devastatingly powerful that as he was going down, he said, I guess this is it. And so I asked him, I said, did you ask for forgiveness at that last moment like you planned? He said, I couldn't even think about it. But I, I really believe that man came to the Lord later on as a result of Christian witness. So I'm saying that you and I should not gamble on having time at the end of life to get things right. Jesus has given us an opportunity to live a righteous life and not like playing dice or we would say shooting dice with life. You don't want to do that. You don't want to throw the dice with life. You want to live in that perpetual state. How you conduct your life while Christ is away says a lot about you and your relationship. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, uh, in this story that I'm going to be reading, the nobleman uh, did return. He, 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 gave, he distributed money to his, his uh, servants, and he did return. He did return. So Jesus is telling the story to say to his audience, I will return. And uh, Paul tells us that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. So Jesus is going to return. There's, just, there's no uncertainty about that. Now, having said that, I believe, and I believe that though many of us do believe, that this is a pivotal decade in which we've entered. I don't think that the things that, uh, that we are encountering are what we have encountered. Or if they are in, in like manner, they are greater in intensity. They, it, it, there are more of them happening with greater uh, rapidity. They are happening constantly, constantly, constantly. So this is a pivotal decade for many of the things that Jesus has spoken to us 
to come to pass. And these things will come to pass and are coming to pass. Uh, and they, they speak more about the church and the world system. There's like a division going on. There's the church and the world system. I believe that this decade is about a division of the two so that it is starkly clear who belongs to God and who doesn't. So, so I would like for you to just grace me by, by allowing me to, to share uh, this, uh, this message with you today. Jesus uh, gave this parable of the minas uh, or the pounds because the people with him thought that since he was coming to Jerusalem, he was going to usher in the kingdom immediately. And so uh, Jesus wanted to correct that view uh, that his disciples had. They were excited about Jesus going into Jerusalem. They knew that he was the Messiah. He was Israel's promised king. He was uh, the seed of Abraham, the seed of David. He was uh, the God-man. So they were, uh, were wanting to even get some positions. We know James and John were jockeying for position because they knew. But Jesus let them know through this parable that, uh, uh, th that the kingdom was, was not going to come in its fullness at that juncture, but uh, it was for a later date. Um, but he also gave this parable so that his, his disciples would uh, make sure that they were diligent about the job or the assignments he had for them. He wanted them to be diligently doing their work. Um, and so in this parable, you're going to see uh, three different responses. And, and so I just give you a little overview of what you're going to see. You're going to see three different responses. Now, the, the, the nobleman in the parable represents Christ, and, and he gives like three months' wages to his servants and said, here, uh, that's what uh, uh, the, the mina means. About three, uh, was it worth about three months' wages? And so he says, here, take this money and do business because I'm going to go and get a kingdom, I'm going, to be, I'm going to get a kingdom, and I'm coming back. And so there are three different responses. And, uh, but we, we, even though he gave it to ten, uh, we're given a report of only three of these ten servants. So we know what three of them did, because th the three, I believe, are a representative of the whole. And, and so the first two proved to be successful. The first uh, servant that came had, had gained 10 times the investment, 10 times the investment. He was 10 times uh, uh, more successful uh, than what he, ha he started with. And then the second servant was five times more. Now, this, pa this, this uh, parable of the minas differs from the parable of the talents, and if we have time, we'll get to both. But, and so uh, he brought five, and they, they were both rewarded uh, for uh, their effort accordingly. They were both rewarded. And so what we'll, we'll see in these stories is that the reward for the work that was well done was more work. And so you can't be lazy and want more work. So when you do really well, then the Lord says, I'm going to trust you with more. I'm going to trust, and he will do that in this time and in the time to come. He will trust you with more. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm thrilled to have, to, to look forward rather, to being a part 
of Jesus' cabinet for a thousand years and then throughout eternity. I, I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, I'll be a cabinet officer. Yeah. And because I'm faithful and I'm going to be faithful, not because I have more strength or, or, or some advantage on others. I, I don't have that. But I will be successful because Jesus has spoken it into me as he has spoken it into you. And you and I must use what he speaks into us. Remember what we've said. What Jesus speaks into you, what? You become. Come on. Did you get that? Did you all remember that way in the back? Yeah, what he speaks into you, you become. And so, uh, and so that's why I will be successful, because I believe it and I say it. Now, some of us may think of it and think it's all right, but the scripture doesn't say that. It says if you will say to the mountain, you have to speak to the mountain. And so whatever Jesus speaks to me, I speak back. And you should do the same. So let's read the story. Now, we're going we're gonna to take up this story two verses prior in Luke chapter 19, the story of the minas, the parable of the minas or the pounds uh, starts in verse 11, but let's go to, to verse 9 and, and uh, get a little bit better context. And Jesus said to him, to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. So Zacchaeus was a tax collector and the, the Jewish people just couldn't stand these, their own people working against them, you know, helping Rome. So they were like what, what we would say, low life. They were just a low life. You know, you're going to work with the enemy. How dare you work with the enemy? And so, uh, but Jesus says, salvation has come to his house. Because so Zacchaeus, when he heard of Jesus and knew of Jesus, he, he was totally convicted that Jesus was who he says he, he, he was. And so, uh, Zacchaeus says, I'm going uh, I'm to give half my goods to the poor Lord. You know, he was so excited. He was a short man, so he got up in a sycamore tree to see Jesus. And Jesus, when he got to the tree, looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down. Uh, today I'm going to abide in your house. I'm going to have dinner with you. And so Zacchaeus comes down. He's so excited. He's so excited. He says, I'm going to give half my goods to the poor. He's very rich. And he says, and, and by the way, uh, if read the, today's bulletin now. Huh? You know, investing in the poor is investing in the kingdom. It, it's an amazing reality. Yeah. And that's why it's often mentioned. It's often mentioned there. It's not, it's not like attitudes today is, well, they ought to go, to go to work. Well, you know, maybe some of them would if they couldn't. And, and it doesn't matter what they're doing. God, Jesus is going to hold you responsible for what you do. Really. Sometimes I, 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 I see these guys on, uh, help me to get back to my story. But sometimes I see these, these guys on the side of the street of the, at the intersection, we'll work for food. Sometimes I think, you probably won't work at all. You know, and just, but just to deal with that old spirit that comes up sometimes, I'll give them something. Yeah. I, I was going home. I told you the story, but it's a good story. Uh, uh, I was going home from church one day, and I just talked about giving to the poor, giving to the guy who says we'll work for food even though he doesn't want to work. You know, e even though that he might not want to work. I said, give him something. So I'm driving home, and uh, lo and behold, on Sunday, here's a guy on the corner of, of Saratoga and Everhart. And uh, it's traffic. The, the light stopped at the right time. And I'm there. And so I look, I look in my pocket for something kind of, you know, small. <laughs> and and I, I, I didn't have any ones, any fives, not even a 10. 
Only the 20 looked at me. Man, and I, I thought, Lord, and, and I looked at the guy, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to put this back in my pocket now, you know. And this guy looked at me and says, hey, I know you, you're that preacher. <laughs> so that guy got a 20. Sometimes we, we must do things just to deal with what is trying to distract us from what God wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so sometimes, so investing in the poor is a good thing. So uh, Zacchaeus says, he says, and if I've defrauded anyone, I'm going to return it back four times. And Jesus said, man, salvation's come to this man's house. He says, for he also is a son of Abraham. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of it, but you too now are children of Abraham and have entered into the covenantal blessings that God promised Ab Abraham through Jesus Christ. Jesus is indispensable to everything, all right? So, so through Christ, you have become now heir to all things. Wow, wow. And now notice here. And so uh, Jesus goes on to say after that, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So he has come to save that which was lost. And now uh, in verse 11 of Luke 19, he says, now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable. So he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Now what, what Luke is saying is they thought the kingdom of God would appear in its fullness immediately because we know that Jesus has inaugurated the kingdom of God, or, uh, or as it were, the kingdom of heaven. The rule of heaven is already in the earth, but it is not as visible as it one day will be, because the kingdom is within us. I know that in Luke, he says the kingdom is also among you, speaking of Jesus himself, but the kingdom is also now within a body of people. That's why I always uh, counsel you to be the church. You know, I don't say make it happen, just be it. I don't try to make myself Don Lavelle, I just am. Yeah, I just am. You are who you are. So just be the church, why? Because we are now the light of the world. Yeah, we are. Without the church, this whole thing is, is chaotic, fully chaotic. And there are always challenges against those of us who are children of light. There's all, there are always challenges to make us conform to the world's standards. There are always attempts, at probably every day of your life, uh, to co-opt you, to take you from who you are, and to somehow dilute you into another system. Always. I would dare say somebody came in here uh, with that co-opting spirit on you to try to get you to be a diluted version of Christianity. Wow. Now he says, they thought that the kingdom was going to come immediately. And so Luke goes on to tell us, therefore he said. So Jesus gave them a parable to say to them, uh, the kingdom was not going to come immediately. Let me say of many of us who teach the Bible, preach the Bible, have said things like, the disciples thought that Jesus was going to come back quickly or, or in just a moment of time. I'm not too convinced that that's correct. 
I, I believe that, that Jesus gave them parables and, and uh, scriptural information so that they would live in such a way that they would live their lives in a perpetual state of readiness. Because if you've read the scriptures, you've studied the scriptures, when you read them, it's like Jesus is shouting out, the Spirit of God is shouting out from the scriptures, be ready, be ready, be ready. And so that is in me as well, and I trust as in you, that I live my life in a constant state of readiness, and that means I often repent. Yeah, even when I maybe haven't done anything really wrong, if I think it might be wrong, I say, God, I didn't mean that. I know I said that, God, but please forgive me. You know, do you ever do that, or you just wait? Don't wait on Sunday to do that. Jesus, Jesus might come on Saturday. So uh, he, he said, a certain nobleman, verse 12, went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And uh, the book of Daniel will give us understanding about this too, about uh, Jesus or, or the Son of Man uh, going in, uh, into heaven, going before the Ancient of Days and receiving the authority to go ahead and inaugurate his kingdom in fullness on the earth. And so it's, a, it's amazing to read uh, the book of Daniel. So when this uh, nobleman uh, was leaving to uh, receive a kingdom and to return, not really, he's going to be authorized by, by God, in our case, by God the Father, and he's going to return. Verse 13 says, so he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minas, or 10 pounds, it's a measurement uh, of uh, wealth, and said to them, do business till I come. So he says, do business till I come. So I would like for all of us who are in the audience today to, to uh, view this as Jesus speaking directly to us. Do my business till I come. I said in the first service, and, and, and uh, let me say it now so that I don't forget this. Uh, whenever I worked in the workplace, uh, like outside the church and the oil business was my major place of work. When I worked there, my reputation was, was that I worked harder uh, when the boss was away than I would when the boss was there. So I always worked hard when the boss was there. Because if you got good, good sense, you know, you work hard when the boss is there. But I worked even more so when he was gone. I never wanted my boss to wonder what I was doing when he was away. I never wanted him to worry. I wanted my boss to sleep at night and I would stay awake at night to make sure that everything went well. That's how I, I, I rolled. That's how I did that. So Jesus is saying to us something similarly. And I, I'm looking at good workers out here. I'm looking at good workers. I know I'm looking at good workers, right? Y'all didn't say anything. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, look at me. I'm looking at good workers, right? You go. You know, it's, it's sort of like saying, you know, Jesus might come. I can't say that. <laughs> no, I'm having fun with you. I'm having fun with you. I know you're listening. <laughs> and so, but, but I, I think that, that, uh, that you and I must live thinking of the coming of the Lord. When I was a young boy, we always talked about the coming of the Lord. I, I don't know, maybe times are so good, you know, we got a great economy, you know what I'm saying? You know, 3.5 unemployment, you know, maybe you think, well, good, my 401k looks well, you know, well, Jesus, you can delay for 10 or 12 years, you know, maybe. But no, no, when I was a boy, you know, life was hard. Now, you work from sun up to sundown, life was hard. We wanted Jesus to come. You know, 
Yeah. The sun was very hot. We wanted the shade to come. Jesus. Yeah. But, but so you can, you can see how doing well can lull you to sleep. And I do believe that in, in, in the decades past that, the, that doing well has lulled the church into sleep. But Jesus doesn't want us to be lulled to sleep because we are the light of the world. We are the city set on the hill. We cannot be hidden. We are the salt of the earth. So God wants that exposed. So that corruption needs to be exposed to you. Are you with me? Stay with me. And so uh, Jesus always expects us and wants us to live in a perpetual state of readiness. Now the scripture says, when the, the, the nobleman said, do my business or do business till I come, uh, verse 14 tells us uh, how his citizens felt about him, which uh, the scriptures are telling us how Israel felt about or the Israeli leadership, the Jewish leadership, felt about Jesus in verse 14. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. This was the, the story and the parable. A parable is a story, uh, uh, an earthly story that has a deeper meaning, a heavenly meaning. And so here in this case, they could understand a nobleman going away and his servants hating him. But he was really speaking about Israel. He was speaking about the, the, the leadership, the Sanhedrin, uh, 70 Sanhedrin leaders and two of them believing in Jesus and 68 not believing in Jesus. That's crazy. That's crazy. He came and he, he did what no man had ever done before, but they still rejected Jesus. And Jesus is doing among us what no one has ever done, but we still have people rejecting Jesus. The world says we are the problem. Christians are like us are the problem. It says that. That's ludicrous, ridiculous, horrible. But, but this is what happened then. What was then is now. And they said, we will not have him reign over us. They said, uh, we don't want him to reign over us. Now, now the same, the, in this parable, this worked out, this, this was done right there in Israel, right there in Jerusalem. The, these words were fulfilled in Jerusalem. Let me read to you from John chapter 19, verses 14 through 16. He says, now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold your king, now, this sixth hour is not, is not 12 o'clock. This is more than likely 6 a.m. It, it all depends on what time the writer was using, whether Roman time or, or some other time. But he said, it's about 6 a.m. He says, and he said to the Jews, behold your king. And they cried out, away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. That's crazy. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? I tell you, Pilate is obviously egging them on. He's, he's taunting them. He, know, he knows that, that for envy they have delivered Christ up. He says, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest, chief priests, leadership, the leadership. We have to be careful. Leadership is still doing the same things. I, I find it all over the world. All over the world. I find it all over the world. And we have videos to prove it. All over the world. The leadership, even in the church, is doing the same thing. That's why I believe this, this decade is pivotal. They said, 
They said to him, they answered and said, we have no king but Caesar. These are God's people. God, Yahweh is king. The son of Yahweh, Jesus Christ, was born king. And they have the audacity to say, we have no king but Caesar. Right there, fulfilled. And even today, in the day in which you are now living, if we just open our eyes and open our hearts, open our minds, we know that it is being echoed the same. We have no king but Caesar. Then Pilate delivered him to be crucified. Wow. Wow. So you and I must live in this state of preparedness. Let's live in the state of preparedness. Let's go on and read. Let's go back to Luke 19 and start in verse 15. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, in which Jesus is saying that if I go away, I will come again. This is what Jesus is saying. If I go away, I will come again. He's already told us in John chapter 14. So here he says he received the kingdom. He then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. So when Jesus comes, he says, I'm going to talk with each one of you. I don't know how Jesus is going to do that individually, but he's going to do it. He's going to find out from each one of us, we're going to give a report. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews says that, that when you shouldn't you should be careful about where you go to church. You know, or you should be careful to go. Right. You should be careful to assemble yourself because he is going to ask the person he has assigned to be your pastor, how did you do? That's what the Bible says. And he says, you want to behave wisely. You want to be a good, a good member so that those of us who must give an account will do it with joy and not be grieved. You know, Jesus says, how did such and such person do it? Go ahead, tell me. <laughs> that would be terrible. I, I mean, just ask yourself, is it me, Lord? You know, or is it I? Okay, super. Let's continue to read. So he called them to see how much every man had gained by trading. Verse 16, then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned 10 minas, 10 pounds. You gave me one, I gave you 10 back. And he said to him, well done, good servant. I mean, he's got the kingdom, he's a king. He said, well done, good servant. I want, I want Jesus when he comes to say, well done, good servant. I don't want him to say, well done. <laughs> well done, good servant. No pause. Well done, good servant. This is amazing. Because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. You were faithful in a very little. So what Jesus is saying, that these things that God is giving us here, they are very little. Compared to heaven's resources, these are very little things. I mean, and if he can't trust us with little, why should he give us much? I mean, he saves us, and we stay at home. You know, he heals our bodies, and we go do something that we shouldn't do. Crazy. Can I talk to you like that? I'm not calling you crazy. I'm saying it's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. This humanity can be so crazy. Come on. Jesus is coming back. 
And, and I find too many people who are believers in Jesus Christ, they are just, as it were, happy-go-lucky. You know, just not really thinking. This, I have one opportunity. I don't get do-overs. Wow, let's look at this. He says, likewise, he said to him, you also be over five, okay. And the second came saying, master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Then another came saying, and I don't want this to be any of us, master, here is your mina, which I've kept put away in a handkerchief. What are you doing with what Jesus has given you? I mean, I'm asking you, what, what are you doing with what Jesus has given you? If Jesus has given you much, he has put much in your hands. If he's given you one mina, then he wants you to bring back something, no matter what it is, bring back something. Like in the story of the talents, he didn't give them all the same thing. He gave them something different. So the two stories are applicable. The story of the talents, when he gives each according to his ability. And then, and this way he gives everybody the same. So what is it? You could say it's the gospel. He gives us all the same. Or you could say he gives us the Holy Spirit. It's all the same. So what he's saying is no matter what, whether he gave you much or he gave you little, you ought to bring back something to Jesus. When Jesus comes back, you ought to have something to show for what he gave you. Amen. But this guy was this, this, this lazy one. Now, we get, we're getting three reports here. And so he says, he said, um, uh, for I feared you because you're an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. I feared you. It's a terrible guy. He's, he's working for this man and never got to know him. He never got to know him. Yes, this man was a good businessman, but, but he wasn't all that this guy says he is. But now listen what, what, the, what the, the nobleman says. He says, he says um, and, he, and he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you. Out of your own mouth, I will judge you, wicked servant. You wicked servant, I'm going to judge you out of your own mouth. You knew that I was an austere man, Making sure, you know, sometimes we, we, we call it austerity is when uh, the government doesn't dole out money, you know, and, and you're just going to have to work and conserve. He said, since you knew I was a, a man of, of, of that nature, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow, why then did you not? Why then did you not? Out of your own mouth, I'm judging you. Why then did you not? put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest. You know I want it gain. I tell people who say to me things like, well, uh, the big churches, blah, 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 the big churches. I've said to them, hey, brother, you know, all churches start out small. I think we were, we were a handful of people. When we started, we just get, were faithful day after day. There were many days I felt like quitting. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to tell you that. There were many days I felt like quitting. There was one day I was so convinced I was going to quit. I, I, I told my mom because I didn't want to break her heart. I was so, I was going to quit. I just was going to quit. And uh, I, t I told her how I was going to quit. And, uh, and what I had planned to do was I had planned my escape. I couldn't just run out of the congregation. And so I planned my escape. 
You know, if you tell me you've never ever felt like quitting, you've not worked hard. And I, and, I, and, I, and I was going to quit, and I was going to ask them to pray for me, that I had my struggles, and I was so, so sorry, but please bow your heads and pray for me. Every eye closed, and I was going to sneak out while they were out. <laughs> I had my escape plan. But, you know, my, my mom, being the wise woman she was, she said, oh, oh, so you're going to quit on the Lord. Oh, I thought that sounds bad. You know, I mean, I may be able to quit on you, but I can't quit on Jesus who purchased my salvation with his own blood. I said, uh, 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 no, mother. Uh, I think you misunderstood me, mother. Uh, uh, yo, you're going to quit on the Lord. And I was so embarrassed. I thought, I will never quit on Jesus. I will never quit on Jesus. And whenever you don't do what Jesus has given you, you're quitting on Jesus. You're quitting on Jesus. What kind of life are you leading? Are you leading a, a non-productive life or a productive life? Are you leading an, an irresponsible life or are you living a responsible life? Are you productive? Have you ever won anybody to Jesus since you were saved? Have you ever really witnessed to anyone? Well, it's private for me. Well, Jesus didn't die privately. In this story of the Minas, this servant was unfaithful because his heart was not right toward his master. He saw his master as a hard man who was demanding and unfair. The servant had no love for his master. In fact, he feared him and dreaded to, dis and and dreaded to displease him. I've seen people like that in the workplace. Those of you who work, you know that. You find people in the workplace, they're just like this guy. All they want to do is talk about the boss and how the boss isn't unfair, and they'll suck you into it. The boss is this, the boss is that, the boss is that. Those are the kinds of persons who are unproductive. They are unproductive in life. Everybody has difficulties. As I told you earlier, I always worked harder for my bosses when they were not there. So when they came back, they would say, wow, you did all of this? Yeah, I want that. But I want that when... When Jesus comes, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You and I should be the same. We should want Jesus to say, wow. Because the Bible says that one day we will have praise from God. We will have praise of God. Will you have praise of God? That's a question. This is a rhetorical question. I want you to think about it. Will you have praise of God? When God comes back, have you lived the Christian life in a way where you were productive or have you always been a problem everywhere you go? You're a problem. If you're a problem on your job, and you're a problem on the next job, and you're a problem on the next job, you are the common denominator. It's not the job. It's you. Right. Right. I, I, I mean, I, I, our brother is here today. He hadn't said, come on now. But I thought I'd get a come on now out of that one. But you are the common denominator. And if you are, this is what I'm talking if you are a poor worker here naturally where you have uh, bosses or supervisors right here watching over you, if you are a, a, a terrible worker here, you are a worse worker in the kingdom. A young man one day asked me, and, and I'm, I'm not going to go around hurting people's feelings, but he said to me one day, he said, hey, pastor, pastor. I said, yes. He said, do you think... Do you think uh, I'll be a pastor? Do you think I'll be a pastor? 
I think it was by the Holy Spirit. So if you get, if this is harsh, by the Holy Spirit. I said, no, I don't think you're called to be a pastor. He said, well, why not? I said, you don't have a good work ethic. This is what we're talking about here in this, a work ethic. Every one of us who, who is called should have a good work ethic. This person thought that being a pastor was just, uh, you know, having some hero worship toward him. But no, it's being a hard worker. So we must work while it is day. The night's coming when nobody can work. Come on, so God is giving all of us an opportunity to work for the kingdom. If in fact this is, as I believe, a pivotal decade, what are you doing positively? What are you doing for the kingdom? What are you doing that advances the kingdom? You don't have to build it. Let's advance it. Amen. Amen? And so let's look at verse 24. And he said to those who stood by, and listen, what this is, this is powerful. I used to have a problem with this when I was a young boy. Take the mina from him and give it to him who has 10 minas. Listen, you don't, you, this, is, this is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is the way the kingdom of heaven works. This is the way things work, period. You'll find those that have are those that keep getting. That's what you have. And if you're always saying, I can never get anything, hey, reach out. If you say, well, I'm never used by God. Well, make yourself available. I was quite shy as a young man. I was quite shy. And uh, I just wanted to witness, but I, was, I would try. It seemed like something would just shut my mouth. And I would say, God, I said, make me bold. Make me bold. I want to be bold. Jesus, make me bold. He said, use the boldness you have. So I'm thinking, what, what kind of boldness do I have? So I couldn't just lead people to the Lord at that juncture. So I said, if they say something, I said, I'm going to pray for you. <sighs> <I'm thinking. laughs> it's true. It's true. You, you wouldn't believe it now. But I would, and I would almost faint, you know. And then I would say, <sighs> the next time I would see somebody, I would say, have things changed in your life? Yeah, they have. So it made me a little bold, more bold. So I got bolder and bolder and bolder. I have no problem witnessing to somebody. All I need to know, Jesus, is the door open for me here? That's all I need to know. Yeah, I, I'm bold. You can be bold by using the boldness that you have. I would pray in the oil business. I would pray for guys. You know, we had rough guys. You, you guys who are in the oil business here, you don't have to raise your hand. Rough, rough, rough industry, right? Rough, tough industry. Some of the toughest guys I've ever met in my life should have been born in the 1800s. <laughs> yeah, rough. But I would say to those guys, I would say things to them like this. They would say something. And I would say, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I grew so bold, I, would, I wouldn't allow them to use profanity a, a, around me. I never told them they couldn't use it around in their workspace, but if they came to where I was, uh, my workspace, since I was the boss, I said, look, I, I, I don't, I don't, my head's not big enough for good things and bad things. I would prefer you not use that language around me. Because this was my turf. And so I said, this is the, the turf that God gave me. And so I said, if you, if you do, I'm going to demand equal time. I'm going to demand equal time. And so they would from, from time to time do it, and I would demand equal time. I would, I would witness, or I would pray for them right there at that moment. Yeah. It was not an abuse of authority, but that was my turf. 
When I went on their turf, I didn't, I didn't require it. They could say whatever they wanted to say, but when I left, it was my turf. Are you with me? It was their work area. Hey, I didn't come and force my way on them. What I'm saying is you can be faithful to what God has given you. If you feel ill-equipped, you can be equipped. Do it because the master is coming. Jesus is coming. He is sooner to come than he was yesterday. He's coming for sure, and you want to be found expecting him. Amen, somebody. In verse 24, he said, take the mina from him and give it to him who has 10 minas. But they said to him, Master, he has 10 minas. For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now listen to what he says. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. He says, bring this. So when Jesus comes back, he is going to come back for judgment. He is coming back for judgment. He is coming back for judgment. Yeah, I'm so grateful that Jesus judges us every day so that we will not be judged with the wicked. I'm so, that's why believers go through difficulties because Jesus is, is judging us every day. It is time for judgment to begin at the house of God. I believe that this particular decade in which we have entered, I don't just say this about every decade, but I do believe that it is a pivotal decade, a vital, a vital importance. I believe that the, that the Lord is expressing his church, and I believe that the Lord is going to show us the difference between those who say they are and or not. This is what's going on, and every day proves it. Every day proves it. Don't be like the people in this story who say, I will not have him to rule over me, or to be slothful. Don't be slothful. Be a good worker. Jesus has gone away to receive a kingship, and when he returns, he's going to establish his kingdom on the earth. Until that time, we're to be faithful to fulfill the responsibilities he's given to us. Jesus is coming back, and he's going to reward you according to what you have done. You will have eternal life, but he's going to reward you. In this story, he rewards them commensurate or equal to the work they perform. He is going to, he's going to give them assignments in his millennial kingdom. He's going to give them assignments. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for assignments. I want, I want to be assigned to something good. We're going to be a thousand years with Jesus reigning on the earth. I mean, if you're faithful, and the amazing thing is, is if you're faithful, he's going to give you much more than what you've actually done because he says to the guy who had 10 minas, I want you to be over 10 cities. God, can you imagine that? To be a part of Jesus' reign? I always wanted Jesus to be my boss. I just wanted to work for Jesus. Because Jesus is a fair boss. Yeah. So today, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. And violent men are attacking it. They are attacking it. 
but be strong. Endure. Don't give up. If it doesn't look really good for you now, don't worry. This is not the end. Amen. 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 All right. Let, let me ask you something. You're here today and you heard the message about readiness. These parables, this parable of the pounds or the minas. But you're not, you're not saved. You've not given your heart to Jesus. You're not really ready if you've not given your heart to Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've backslidden. You're backslidden. You've, you've walked away from the Lord. I know what that means. I, I know what that means. I know what it means to be unsaved. I know what it means to be backslidden. If that's you today, don't go home that way. Were Jesus to come between now and the time you got home, you'd be eternally lost. You'd be eternally lost. There would be no escaping it because he's coming to execute judge, judgment and justice. So if that is you today, if you're here today, I want you, without being concerned about anybody around you, if you say, well, Pastor, I want to give my heart to Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand until I see it, until somebody sees it. If there's anybody here, just raise your hand. And say, I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me. Okay? What about in this section? Anyone? 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 Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. I, yes, sir. I see yours. Is, is there anyone else? You just, you want this. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. Anyone? Okay. I'm going to ask for another category. Maybe you have not been very productive in your Christian life. Maybe you've been the kind of person who's always needing a ride, you know? Always needing somebody to lean on. You're just not matured. Maybe you don't want to be in that place, but you're just not matured. Just, usually it's a, it's a disobedience factor there. But if you say, well, I don't, I'm not satisfied with where I am, you just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you as well. Raising your hand is not so I'll know who you are. Raising your hands is so that you will participate in the prayer. Right? So we're going to pray for you. Father, those who raise their hand for salvation, I pray that you would see the hand raised and that you would hear them and receive them, that you would hear their cry of repentance and you would grant them repentance. Grant them repentance today that they would be saved today and forever. Lord, those who have found themselves not saved but not very productive and those who want to be more productive, both categories, I pray today that those who say, well, I've not been very productive. I've come to the Lord, but I've been in perpetual need. I've been, as it were, acting as an indigent. I've been like somebody who, who doesn't have resources. I pray that you would open their eyes today in the name of Jesus. And Father, for those who, who say, I've been productive, but not as productive as I would like to be. I want to be a great person for God. I want to be a great leader. 
I want to speak well. I want to be discerning. I want to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit working through me. I'm not satisfied. I pray today that everything for that person will change. I, say, I thank you, God, for hearing their prayer and moving on them to make them productive. I pray that you would open your word to them. I pray that you would give them uh, many people that they might witness to or just might generally help them. Just be there for those in Jesus' name. I'm so grateful, grateful for today and grateful for everybody who came. Thank you so much. Amen. 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 Amen.